when you walked in and I saw your face, you had this look of, I'm tired, I'm desperate, I'm so excited, I can't believe this. And I'm like, here she is. I died every day waiting for you. Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Well, we have had a great month of stories, and this is our last episode for this season. We'll be back next January with a great lineup of adoption stories, updates on families who shared their story, and what we've learned through these 70 interviews that we have done. We have stories from all over the nation and internationally. We've talked about infant adoption, domestic adoption, international and embryo adoption. We share stories from the perspective of the birth parent, adoptive parent, and the adoptee. And now with embryo adoption, we did an interview with a donor family. You can find all of those episodes on iTunes, and you can also go to adoption-now.com to find every story. Okay, so many of you have been requesting that we tell Malia Kate's full adoption story. Malia Kate is our last baby that we just adopted. So today I have Noah, my husband, joining us. Noah, thank you for being here. I'm excited to be here. I know you're excited because you like this story. Yes. So later we will also have our lawyer, Christine Thurman from Florida, join us. But first, let's talk about the beginning of adoption now. Well, we had started um, after going through multiple adoptions and placements and loss of placement. We felt like kind of the next step in what God was calling us to do was create a, a show to tell stories of our adoption first, our experience, and it began to really grow quicker than I think either one of us expected. First, we kind of reached out to family and friends and said, hey, we'd love to have you share your story. But very quickly, we started getting applicants domestically. It started to spread across the United States. Then we started getting people internationally contacting us saying, hey, we want to share our story as well. Um, Now we're talking about embryo adoption. I mean, it's expanded so much bigger than we ever expected it to do. It's so exciting every time we get an applicant from Texas or California, every state that we have not necessarily marketed to, they are now receiving these podcasts. Now agencies are able to use these podcasts as training for potential adoptive families. So your story does matter and your journey does change how people view adoption. People don't understand how much money it is. They don't understand how much paperwork goes into it. And they can't understand sometimes what a family goes through. And so when they sit down and hear the heart of adoption and the heart of the story, it changes how they view it and how they then treat other families going through adoption. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a a, a powerful tool to have, not only for the families that are sharing their stories, it's been powerful for us, even in our own lives and how it's impacted the way we parent and how we raise our children. So we have been fundraising. Thank you so much to all of you who have given to help support for next year. It does cost us around $20,000 to produce the show. And so next year we have huge plans. We're going bigger. We're going stronger. We're going to have different marketing. And so we appreciate you partnering with us so that we can continue on the show. But when we started, we had three kids. We were happy and really wanted to pour ourselves into just the show. We had no idea that we'd be adopting while we were doing the show. Somebody said to me, oh, adoption now means April's adopting right now. (laughs) 
it was very challenging because you know when you've gone through the process, the devotion you have to have to it. And so also breaking away and having the show going on at the same time, it was a lot to juggle. But we first got the call. I think Vivi, our youngest at the time, her birth mother contacted us when she was about a year, just a little bit over a year. A little over a year, yeah. And she said that she was pregnant. Which wasn't true. So we we didn't find that out until later. But I think she was just calling us almost to test us just to see what are they going to do? What are they going to say? Would they adopt another baby? Right. And we didn't say no, but we didn't say yes. We just said, send us some more information. And she didn't. So months went by. And then she did contact us again to say, I really am pregnant. Would you guys consider adoption? And we said, no way. Well, maybe, maybe you didn't. I definitely did. I was like, there is no way that we can do this with everything else going on. No. So a couple more months went by. And then she let us know that she was having twins. So then it was even like That's double right. no. I forgot about that. We were so stressed. Remember, I was talking to all these people about twins and would they be born early? All these different things we were asking ourselves. Could we do two more car seats? What did that look like when Vivi was a year and a half and Lily was two and a half? Yep. And then adding twins, we just didn't think we could do it. So we were at that point beside ourselves couple more months went by. And this is when we knew that she wasn't pregnant when she first told us because many months were going by and we're like, why is she not actually delivering? And it was around Christmas last year. And she said, I really am pregnant. Sent us, I think, a picture of her pregnant. And she said, would you adopt? Otherwise, I'm going to go to a lawyer. Yep. And the lawyer that we had used before, we've talked about this several times You need to be careful when you're using an adoption lawyer. The one that we chose prior to Christine was padding the bill. And what we mean by that is he would send us a bill and say, $700 you owe me. You have 30 days to pay it. Then 10 days later, he would send another bill and say, oh, I didn't add this $50 charge. And so it would be backtracked like, he would send the bill in July and he'd say, oh, I forgot in May. Yes. Um, Months prior. You owe me $75. So all of a sudden the bill would be $200, $300, $400 more. And we're saying if you sent the bill out and then you forgot, you can't keep adding it. I mean, at the end of this, we're going to be paying so much money. And so because we started to ask him questions, then he told us that he was not going to finalize Once he did finalize, then he decided he wasn't going to give us a birth certificate. It was a big fight. So we said, if you go to that lawyer, we are not going with you. Yeah, there was no way we'd be able to support that or even be able to work with that attorney again. So she did contact that lawyer and she told us that she told him, I want to work with no one in April. I want to make sure that my children stay together. The biological siblings stay together. And he said, well, I don't think no one in April would work with us. And so she said that that was really the conversation. We asked her, did he match you to another family? And she said, no. So we moved forward and started to pray about it. And as I was doing shows on Adoption Now, I had all these families that had Mm -hmm. kept siblings together and the importance of siblings being together and fighting for children to stay together. And that message just kept going through my mind. I say this a lot. If Adoption Now didn't reach anybody, it's reached us. It has helped us so much in our journey. Every family that we have had on this show, and I say this with all sincerity, they're amazing. Every story is amazing. Every mother has taught me something. Every father has come on and said something 
that just changes even your own circumstance. When you hear just a phrase of somebody else doing it, you think we could do that. And we started to think maybe God is calling us to fight for this baby. And so we kept asking her, well, what do we do if you've contacted this lawyer and he hasn't found your family? What do you want us to do? And she said, well, I just want you to find a lawyer or do something so that you can get the baby. So we kept saying no until I had that dream. Remember, (laughs) I had a dream about this baby that we went to get and we named her Malia. And that morning I woke up and I looked up the name Malia and it means Mary in Hawaiian. It's a Hawaiian name for Mary. And that's my mother's name. And that's all I needed. Isn't that funny? That was crazy. I, I still wasn't quite on board No, you weren't. But no. I remember telling you the dream and saying, I feel like we need to do this. I feel like we need to go forward. And holding that baby was so tangible in my dream. I think too, watching over the years, how many times God has spoken through dreams to you specifically, I kind of just had to sit back. And some of the stories, like you had mentioned, that I had remembered hearing through Adoption Now continued to be played over and over again in my mind and thinking, okay, maybe, maybe this is what we're supposed to do. Maybe we need to keep these siblings together. So we contacted our agency and they said, well, we're actually closing after 30 plus years. We're done. They were closing the doors before Malia was even going to be born. But they said that they would help us and they would finalize this adoption, one last adoption for them. So we're like, okay, what do we need to do? They said, it's January we still did not know when that baby was due, remember? Yeah. We weren't getting... We thought it was February. ...very much information. And so we were on expedited home study. We got to go get our fingerprints done. We got to do everything. And within a week, the agency called us and said, we can't do it. We've had some personal things come up and we're shutting down now. There's no way we can help you. Yeah. And at that point, we realized this is going to be a complete act of God if this even works out. So we started kind of scrambling around and through adoption now and through some of the contacts we had made, we actually had made a contact with an agency up north. Yes. Through Kim Mayetta, who shared her story. And it's very cool how God worked it out because she asked us to come host their fundraiser, which is Kids for Kyla. And Kids for Kyla does fundraising for families are trying to adopt. You know, it's very expensive. So they will help families with those costs. So we were doing a fundraiser with them. And in the middle of their fundraiser, they said, we have a family that's fighting to keep siblings together. And we want to raise money tonight for them. And I was clapping like, oh, that's so wonderful. Not realizing they were talking about us. And so that night they raised funds for us, which was a complete miracle because we needed to come up with $15,000 immediately. Remember that? Yeah. I was on the phone with the birth mother during that whole thing, back and forth, trying to figure things out. She was trying to get to the hospital. I was crazy. So we contacted Nightlight Christian Adoptions and told them our whole story and said, would you help us? And we uh, have four weeks. And they said, okay, send us your old home study and we'll figure out what we can do. They worked so Hard. So hard. And I remember sending the home study and them basically looking at it and going, uh, we've got quite a bit of work to do. We're basically going to rewrite this whole thing. Well, the state had made them redo yes. the whole thing. And so they were in our house. They were interviewing our children, which we had never done before. Our kids were always really small. And so this time they're sitting AJ down and they're talking to him and you're thinking, what are my kids saying? <laughs> 
Say you want the baby. Well, especially it's it six and four, right? What do you expect a six-year-old or a four-year-old to say? You know what they said? We want the baby. Everybody was on board. Everybody was excited. And so they kept pressing forward. We got everything done. I remember feeling like we're running a marathon and I don't know if I have the energy to do it again for number four. And I don't know that I have the finances to do this. And she, like you said, she was asking us for so much money. She wanted to go to the hospital. She needed doctor's appointments. All these things can happen through adoption. Birth parents can ask you for money depending on the state that they live in. And so in Florida, she has that right to ask the family, please support me basically. And she has five kids living at home that are under eight years old. So this was a big undertaking that we were saying yes to. Another piece of it was we needed a lawyer. We didn't know how far she went with this other lawyer and we needed to bring somebody else in and try to explain to them that we were trying to adopt this baby, but she might have brought in this other lawyer, but we don't agree with the ethics of that lawyer. But trust us, we're in Colorado and we're normal people. I mean, remember thinking, how are we going to find a lawyer? Who are we going to call? I called a friend in Florida who has adopted several children and she said, call Christine Thurman. She does do adoptions, but she's not an adoption lawyer. She's a family practice lawyer. Yes. And so I gave her a call. We are going to take a break. We're going to bring her on the show because you will love her when you hear her version of this story. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. Hi, this is April, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We currently have over 60 adoption stories about infant adoption, international adoption, foster to adopt, and embryo adoption. They are told from the perspective of the birth parent, adoptive parent, or the adoptee. We have stories from all over the country and internationally. We talk about the journey very openly and are here to encourage the adoption community. We are a 501c3 and are currently raising support for next year's budget. It takes us $20,000 a year to produce this show. Help us keep it going and take it even further. You can donate on our website, adoption-now.com. And remember, all donations are tax deductible. Help us give adoption a voice. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we are talking about our last adoption of baby Malia Kate. We've gone through the story where the birth mother has contacted us. It's a biological sibling to our youngest daughter. We didn't know if we were going to say yes or no, or if she was pregnant. We contacted our agency. They said, yes, we'll help you. Then they said, no, we're closing. We just found another agency. But our problem was we needed to find a lawyer. And so Noah and I went to our resources through Adoption Now and found someone who has adopted in Florida. And she said, call Christine Thurman. I think she'll be able to help you. So Noah and I called her and had to convince her that we were normal people. Remember that, Noah? Yes. Thank you for joining the show today and telling the story with me. Today we have Christine joining us. Christine, what was it like getting that call? Well, I remember I was sitting, I was traveling and I pulled over to get a sandwich and you called me and, and just hearing the story of what you and Noah had gone through previously with another attorney, I honestly didn't believe it. And then you started telling me the facts of the case. And I remember I sat back and I said, this is going to be a doozy. That's what I remember. <laughs> but you said yes. Absolutely. I said yes. 
after what you've been through, you know, working to make sure families match and go through a process that's as seamless as possible is so very important because emotions were already so high and you had lost faith already in the previous attorney that you had. I wanted to restore that faith and let you know that there are good lawyers still out there who want to do adoption. So important. Were you thinking maybe we were crazy? We were the crazy ones? No, not that you particularly were crazy. I thought that the circumstance in and of itself was unique. Knowing the facts that what you told me with the birth mom and how she had, you know, previously matched with you. But then hearing more and more of the facts, at some point I thought it was crazy, not in the initial phone call. So here yeah. we were. We were going to start this really long roller coaster. And I thank God that he brought you into our lives. It was so divine and much bigger than just an attorney and two adoptive parents. It was a friendship. And I had hoped for that in every adoption. Like, I hope that these relationships last. And when you're being taken advantage of, you start to lose faith in the people who are facilitating the adoptions. And so I didn't know if you were going to trust us and if we could trust you and what the birth mom was going to do. I remember you saying one thing to me all the time, though, that really helped us is you kept saying, yes, this is crazy. This is a totally crazy story. But no, I don't know a single one of these situations that isn't a little bit crazy somewhere along the line. I also remember you saying, this is the craziest. Didn't you have a nickname for it in your office? Yeah, we had a nickname for your circumstance, which I'm not going to use on the air. But yes, all of our office knew your birth mom in particular. And I've learned some good lessons after, you know, your placement, which is never give out the cell phone number that you want the birth moms to call on, (laughs) um, unless it's a very private line, because in your particular case, your birth mom called my phone often five, six, seven times a night. Um, She would call me all hours of the night. I know you guys would hear about it because I would text you and let you know the concerns that I would have. And the relationship with your birth mom started off very benign, but it escalated so quickly to an unusual situation. Um, And I remember traveling with my staff to go obtain paperwork, which is a couple hours from my office, not knowing what we were headed into. And I think that initial meeting with her, while it was very helpful to create some trust, it created what she believed was a different relationship than just lawyer paperwork processing for facilitating the process to somebody who was going to be a social worker for her larger issues in her life, mm-hmm. um, which then, of course, escalated the situation where she was much more dependent on communication and believing if she told me what was going on, then I was going to be able to fix other problems in her life. And, of course, that just turned into me asking you guys for ongoing help because you had a relationship with her that was much longer and greater than the the one that I had created with her in that short period of time. But our relationship with her had changed so much. She was acting totally different than we had seen in the past. She was calling us, like you said, in the middle of the night, demanding money. She was constantly saying she was going to the hospital and she was in pain. She would not give us any information as far as when the baby was due. She didn't supply any information about her hospital visits, nothing. But she wanted us to pay for her rent and for all these things. She gave our number out to everyone. So we had, I don't know who. Brothers, cousins, friends, her neighbor. Everybody seemed to have our cell phone number. And they would either call and be nice or they were calling and screaming at us. 
telling us we were the worst people. We weren't taking care of her. It was hard to understand what end was up and why we were saying yes to this. I lost sight of the baby at times. I think you also, because you had an experience with her from the past that was so different, you believed at this point, at least from my perspective, that the two of you were being manipulated and she wasn't going to place. I felt that pretty early on that you guys had given up hope. I still believed based on the fact that she had placed before and the overall circumstances that I saw when I went and met with her, that I still believe she was going to place. So that also created this situation where I was convinced I had to keep you guys still emotionally invested in this process, but I also had to constantly keep this line of communication with her, which of course has been a learning lesson too, which is the more you talk to these birth moms, which is being so careful on what you say and how you present information, but making sure you keep that trust, like just a level of trust that they know that you're going to be there to do what you say you're going to do. And at the end of the day, they need to uphold their end of the bargain as well. If it's, you know, in the child's best interest. Well, what we found out is that she did involve this other lawyer and not only was she getting money from him, she had been matched to another family. So we were in the middle of her telling us, no, I'm keeping the baby with the sibling. The baby's going with Noah and April but she was also collecting money from this other family who had not adopted yet. They had zero children. So they had flown out to meet her. She swore that had not happened. And when you sent me the picture, oh my gosh, it was the worst feeling. Because now what do we do? Do we fight for the child or do we say, okay, well, there's another family involved and we don't want to break their hearts. So what do we do? Remember that day? Yes, I do remember that day because it created in, you know, in my heart and in my mind a situation of I wasn't sure if whether or not the attorney was being dishonest with us because we had, we had some concerns about the situation all along and what information had been given to him, given to us from the birth mom. We also didn't necessarily trust the birth mom to be telling us full information based on the request she was asking us for, which is those five and six phone calls a night and saying that she needed money. So at that point, yes, I got in the situation where I was like, do I pick up the phone and call this attorney, which I did not have a professional relationship. Do I trust the birth mom when she says I'm not doing those things? And then you get that evidence in front of you. And I did pick up the phone and call the attorney and discuss the situation very clearly to which our birth mom at that point realized that her deeds and actions, she had been caught in essence, talking to both agencies, us and them. And then the phone call came where she graphically told us that she was in labor. When I'm like, what do those words even mean? And you're like, I'm not sure because you and I have not given birth. So we were Googling, wait a second, what happens? Is she dilating? And what does she mean? And she said, I'm in labor. You need to come right now. And you said to me, don't you do it. Don't get in the car. I don't think she's in labor. She's not in the hospital. And I said, I'm getting in the car. And we drove 30 hours with three small children and had Noah's parents meet us in Florida so that we could be in the hospital and help her. When we got there, she changed her mind. She said that she had gotten abused and she had moved out of that home, remember? And it was boarded up. So we couldn't find her. Then she told us, no, we could take her to the doctor. I said, are you in labor? Yes, take me to the doctor. That morning, she said, oh, I canceled that appointment. So we called the doctor 
and said, can we just bring her in? And he's like, uh, okay. So then we had to convince her to get in the car and go with us. And she was livid. We brought AJ and your dad on that visit. And it was crazy. She got in the car. She was happy. We took her to the clinic and she walked in and was yelling at everyone. And the nursing staff said, do you want Noah and April to leave? Because I'm pretty sure this is super awkward for them. She's like, they're adopting my baby. Why would I want them to leave? They're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? I mean, it was such a crazy, hysteric scene that nobody could figure out what she wanted. Nobody could make sense of it. She wanted to go see the doctor. Then he came in and she said, I don't want to see you. And then he said, oh, I can't believe you're here. You haven't been to the doctor since November. And this was the third week in February. So that means all that money that we were sending her to go to the hospital, she had never been. That was a turning moment for me. That and then after the whole fiasco and all the yelling and basically the doctor said, I can't treat you unless you calm down. She didn't calm down. So we walk out and that's when I pulled the picture. Remember this? I pulled the picture of the other family. I said, birth mom, what is going on here? You need to tell us. And she still refused to even admit it. And she walked away and said, I'm walking home. And she said, that's a lie. And we said, but you're standing here with this really happy couple that thinks that they're adopting your baby. And she said, I'll walk home. So we stood there and watched her walk down the street. We tried to get her into the car to at least take her home. Oh my gosh, it was upside down. But let me tell you the amazing thing that came out of that. Noah's dad has adopted two children but internationally. So he's never dealt with a birth mother before. It changed him so deeply. He was emotional. And he said, it's so hard because when you look at her, you see Vivi. You see her in this birth mother, right? Because that's her biological daughter. So you love her, but yet she's acting crazy and she's difficult. And so it's hard to not you know, shut down and still stay loving. And the ride that parents can go on with a birth parent, he said, I never knew. I never knew. And I think that it made our relationship closer with Noah's family because they saw that we've been through this several times. And I'm not saying all birth parents are like this. Please know this was a special situation, but it was a lot. And we left Florida at that point. And I said to you, Christine, I'm done. I dragged these kids into this and all based upon a dream about a baby named Malia. I mean, it felt like I was way off, way off. And I just wanted to get home and get back to adoption now and just forget all about that. Yeah. And I remember, you know, we had so many phone conversations, like every day we were talking and I knew you and Noah were pretty despondent and down. And we had dinner. I met you guys and I got to meet all the kids. They're the most adorable, little, beautiful children I have ever seen. And your children got to eat peanuts, well, peanuts for the first time. Yeah, and Lily. Lily loved them. (laughs) (laughs) The look on Lily's face when you brought these boiled peanuts, she was like, no, this isn't (laughs) happening. (laughs) We didn't get the baby and I have to eat these. No. But that was, you know, that's when this whole situation really became real to me because I had already met our birth mom. I had been down to her house and then I got to meet y'all. So it tied the situation together for me very differently. And because I got to meet what would 
soon to be Malia Kate's sister, and I got to meet what was soon to be Malia Kate's brother and, and then other sister. It was one of that situation. It's like, you got to make this work. And of course, this is after I got the call from the clinic saying she had revoked our medical releases, so I could no longer get any of the previous medical records I thought we were getting to verify or at least understand and explain the bizarre behavior we had been going through, because I was convinced she was on using some sort of drugs. She was doing something because her behavior just didn't make sense, at least the late night calls, sleeping during the day. At times, you know, we just didn't explain her behavior. But meeting you guys, at that point, I had a renewed sense of, I'm going to make this work. If I can make this work, I'm going to make this work. And so that's when, you know, it was recreating the rapport with our birth mom. No matter how many phone calls a day, she called me, I was going to take that phone call. I was making sure if she was going to place, she was placing with y'all because I knew that's where Malia Kate needed to be. I was at the point, though, where I was saying, you can find a different family. I can't do this to everybody. We were all suffering. We were all grieving. We had all hoped for something. And we didn't even know if she was still pregnant. At that point, she disappeared. She stopped talking to us. She was only talking to you. You stepped up to the plate and took all those phone calls. In the midst of it, social services got involved because of her behavior. And things shut down to us left and right. We couldn't find out any information once they got involved. So over on this side, Colorado was saying, you know what, just keep praying and be hopeful and we're here to support you and let's just wait and see if social services would call you when she delivers because you are now considered family. You have a biological sibling. They will call you if this baby is going into the foster care system. I didn't know how much we could really rely on Christine though. It felt like we were calling you all the time as well and I thought this poor woman is going to be overwhelmed with all of our emotions and all of this that we're going through. I mean, Noah, at that point you were done too, right? Oh yeah. We had, you know, the drive home was so discouraging and so sad. And basically it felt like we had fought the fight and we lost this one. It was done. And so we got back thinking, okay, now we're back to for sure having three kids. We did everything we knew we needed to do and it was over. And I remember Christine, you called and said, so do you want to pay her rent? And I was like, no. Yeah, I knew you guys were upset with me on some levels because in my heart, I knew it wasn't over. I heard what you were saying, but I didn't believe it. And I didn't believe that she wasn't placing with you. There was never a moment in your placement that I did not believe Malia Kate wasn't coming to y'all from the start. Even though I saw her bizarre behavior and I heard you and Noah telling me, we're done. I mean, I heard it loud and clear. I did not believe it. In my heart of heart, I knew. I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I knew this baby was coming to you guys. Okay, I'm going to start crying at this part of the story because this is when it gets really nitty gritty because we struggled with saying no. We struggled with walking away. We struggled with feeling like we had so much faith when we started the journey and here we are in the middle of it. We're out so much money we can't get this birth mother to talk to us when before we had a pretty good relationship with her and she trusted us. We didn't know where we had gone wrong. The state was involved. And so on some level, we believe that she was doing illegal drugs. And then we wondered, what is the condition of the baby? How long is that baby going to be in the hospital? How far along is she really? Because she wouldn't let us in with the doctor and she had not been there since November. Why? Why? Would she not have been there since November? I mean, all these questions are going through our minds. 
and weeks and weeks went by. And here we are thinking, is she 40 weeks? She did not carry Vivi full term. So how was she carrying this baby full term? This was her ninth baby. So in our minds, at 40 weeks, she's had the baby. She's placed with somebody else. It's over. And then the night happened where we get the phone call, the crazy phone call from you and the crazy phone call from her. Did she call you first, right? Yeah, she called me first. And I remember besides the phone call I got, I had just fallen asleep. And it was literally like 11 o'clock at night. I had like, I'm talking five minutes. I had closed my eyes and I heard the phone. And in my gut was pick up that phone because it's right by my bed, but it was my cell phone. And I saw the number and I was like, oh gosh. And she said, um, I'm in the ambulance. I'm headed to the hospital. I'm having this baby. And I said, which hospital? And she told me, she said, are you coming? I said, I'm coming. I'll be there. And I put the phone down and I remembered, I was like, okay, your paperwork's at the office. You're 45 minutes from the office. You have got to throw some clothes in the car because it's three hour drive from where you are. So, and I remember getting up in the middle of the night and I was like, nobody is going to know that I'm about to go downtown to my office. I'm going to print paperwork in the middle of the night and I'm going to go drive the interstate three and a half plus hours at, you know, two or three or four in the morning on the interstate. And I hope I don't break down because nobody knows where I am. But I remember in the car ride, like it was that feeling that's surreal. It's like, I'm, I'm about to walk into a situation that I believed was to be true. And, and this has been a journey that I was hoping for. And I called you and, and, and I told you, she says she's in labor. And I remember your comment to me was, are you sure? Is this for real? And I said, yes. I said, I'm headed to the hospital. And I think you said, okay, let me talk to Noah. And, and then I don't remember if you called me back or you texted me back a little while later. Because um, I knew I arrived around 4 a.m. to the hospital. And I actually went to the hospital that she was at, had multiple different facilities. And so I remember walking in and she was already sitting in a room. And, and our birth mom looked at me and she lit up when she saw me. And she said, I knew you would come. And I remember I was just like, okay, so if nothing else, I created some trust in her that when I told her I was coming, I was coming. And she was as happy. She packed up Malia Kate and she said, here you go. And she handed her to me and said, do you want to feed her? And I was like, absolutely. She said, okay, because I'm getting out of here as soon as they come over here and let me. And I remember I was sitting there like, okay, I'm about to be sitting in this hospital with this baby and our birth mom's going to leave. And I'm sure hoping that April and Noah are going to fly down because otherwise I'm sitting in this hospital with this baby, not sure what the heck I'm going to do at this point. (laughs) Otherwise, you're a mom. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have a carrier. I didn't have anything. (laughs) On this end, we were done. When you called and said, she's in labor. And I said, is this for real? Let me talk to Noah. I hung up the phone and I turned to Noah and I said, the baby's being born. Uh, I think it's time for bed. Literally like, let's turn out the lights. Like, I don't want to think about this. We're not doing anything. We're not going to get that baby. She's not signing. And Noah said, well, if Christine's driving, why would she bring Christine there? But I had been through so many hoops with her at that point. I didn't put it past her that she might make you come out there and then say, oh, actually. And so I just wanted to forget it and go to sleep and have one night where it was peaceful. And of course that didn't happen because she called immediately after that screaming, I'm in labor, I'm in labor. The baby's coming, you have to come. And the desperation in her voice 
you have to come. You have to come right now. Come and get this baby. And then she hung up. Yep. So I got online and pulled up the first ticket out and I said, you're going. And you're going first class. That's right. It was the only ticket left. <laughs> the only I got ticket first left. class. <laughs> and I sat on that plane just thinking what's going to happen. I really didn't know. Because when I got on the plane, you said you were signing paperwork, but I really still did not know if I was going to walk in and it was going to be done or what was going to happen. And when you sent me that picture of her. That was oh, what changed yes. it. Yes. Yes. At first I said, I don't know, I can't be connected. And then as time went on, I just kept pulling up that picture on the plane, kept pulling up that picture and thinking, could this be our daughter? Is this really going to happen? And so touching down into Florida at 11 p.m. So the baby was almost 24 hours. You had been sitting with the baby for 24 hours, which is amazing. And if you're listening to this and thinking, Christine is amazing, you're right. Because most lawyers do not do that. They will send a social worker or they'll let the mom sit there with the baby. And that's very difficult on the mom. If she decides that she wants to place and then she has to care for the baby, a lot of bonding goes on at that point. Some moms want that, but some birth moms do not. And so the fact that Christine went there and stayed in the same clothes for so long, taking care of my baby, it was so amazing. And it's what adoption is about. I mean, you restored so much in us, Christine, and believing that this is something that God has his hand in and he's a part of this and will bring you through. And maybe right now you're struggling in the midst of it and you're exhausted. I totally get that. I get being exhausted. I get being tired of being disappointed. But hang on until the very, very end. You will not regret it. Even if the placement falls through, I decided I would fly out there because I said to Noah, I can look at Vivi in the eye one day. And if we don't get her, I can say we did everything, everything we could to bring home your sister. And so I felt like I had to go and just see what was going to happen. And so when I walked in that room and saw her, she was perfect. Wasn't she the perfect baby? Not only perfect, she was so beautiful and so happy I mean, even she was eating perfectly. She, you know, her skin was perfect. Her health, despite everything we had experienced with our birth mom, she was 100% healthy, which was absolutely mind-blowing because there's no possible way but for God. No way. I mean, she was eating great. I mean, she was happy. I think she cried like not even a full cry. It was like a little tiny squeak to let me know that she wanted to eat. And of course, mind you, I'm sitting in a hospital 24 hours later, still hoping that I'm you know, keeping your baby safe because I don't even have my own children. So I'm hoping to keep this baby alive till you get there. And it was this happiest, most rewarding experience. When you walked in and I saw your face, you had this look of, I'm tired, I'm desperate, I'm so excited, I can't believe this. And I'm like, here she is. And you just kind of looked at me, like with this look, like I cannot even believe this. Because she had already left. She had checked out like 12 hours almost before. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there just waiting for you to arrive. And in your face was like, I can't believe she signed off. And I can't believe this is my daughter. And it was a, such a beautiful, emotional, touching moment. I will never forget it ever in my life. You walking in that door in your face. It was amazing. It was like the best reward for the most exhausting, draining ride ever. And 
I think sometimes you pray and ask God to explain things and he doesn't, but I think sometimes he does. And in this story, he did because once we got the baby and the next day, you and I were still together. I remember you're like, I need to go sleep. I'm like, yes, go sleep. You went to Target and bought all the stuff for us. I mean, I didn't have a car seat. I didn't think I brought one of it. No, I don't think I did. I didn't want to jinx it. I was like, I've already done this. I already packed a suitcase, drove to Florida, came home and put all those clothes away. I'm not doing that again. And so I had nothing. So you went out and got all the stuff. But the day that we were leaving, the social worker came in and she gave us all the paperwork and we looked through it and we saw that in November when she did go to the hospital, she had been using. But from the time that we appeared in February, she was clean until she gave birth. And so when they did the check on Malia, she was totally clean I can't tell the story without crying because it was a lot of money and it was exhausting to go out there and to be so disappointed. But I felt like God was saying, because you came out here and social services got involved, your baby is healthy. Like what you did seemed like it didn't make sense, but it makes perfect sense. And you and I just looked at each other like we knew it. We knew there was a lot going on. We knew she needed help. This birth mother needed help. These children in the home that she had needed help. This baby needed help. And it didn't really make sense. And you know, it didn't really matter if we were getting the baby or not. God asked us to step in the middle of this chaotic situation and help everybody. And you were 100% way more willing than we were. We were tired, but God had a plan. Yeah, and I, I remember your desperation when you were leaving, not understanding. And I got the call from our state placing agency to interview me and my information and what we had experienced. And I knew at that point, that at least there was somebody checking on the kids. There was somebody looking into from what the face was, wasn't okay. And looking back, you know, often we don't have enough investigators and social workers, but this social worker was calling and how she got my name and information. I have absolutely no idea, but I did know based on the questions she asked me, at least the right questions were being asked and at least the right people were being contacted who would have information that would have likely led to services that she needed. And especially Millie Kate needed at that time to hopefully allow her to carry the baby full term, which as you had experienced, she hadn't done previously. It all came together. What a miracle story. And she is the happiest baby still to this day. She's the biggest baby we've ever had. She's eight months and she's in 12 month clothes. She has rolls upon rolls. She laughs at everything. The kids love her. And I know that, I mean, it's easy to say, but honestly, the adjustment period of bringing her home was like she was always with us. Every kid had so much joy and every kid was a part of this journey to bring her home. And so the celebration for our family was so huge. And our relationship with the birth mother has gotten much better, much better. And so I know that she got the resources that she needed to help her and her family. She still has the five kids and we're still in communication. And it's just, I mean, night and day. And so I'm just so thankful that God led us to you and that you said, yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And and Vivi, there is no doubt in my mind the connection between her and Malia is something you can't explain. So after going through all of this and saying, yeah, we're going to fight to keep siblings together, I want to encourage everybody 
do it, do whatever it takes to keep them together because the connection, I mean, Vivi's only two and what you see in her and how she treats Malia and how she cares for her and how she loves her is so unique. So thank you, Christine. Oh, thank y'all so much for trusting me. This was this story and how it ended. I will, you know, live my days and remember this was a beautiful piece of time. And I appreciate the two of you trusting me so much to get this done. And you have big news, right? Oh, I do have big news. Approximately two weeks ago, I filed to run for circuit judge in my circuit. Um, I want to stand on my platform for child advocacy for children, for adoption. This is my passion. This is my mission. We do not have enough judges who want to work in the child areas. And so I feel called and led that it's time. So yes, I just announced and it's going to be a contested race. We support you 100%. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you all so much. We do want to thank Nightlight Christian Adoptions for helping us, Christine Thurman from Thurman Law, and also Kids for Kyla for doing a fundraiser for us to help us financially. If you would like more information on any of those, you can contact us at adoption-now.com. Thank you again to all of you who have helped donate to keep Adoption Now going. Again, I want to remind you, we are taking the month of December off. We'll be back in January. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you in a few weeks.